Hello, everyone. Happy Christmas, Kwanzaa. Hey, that's um, back again. Yes, it's back again because this is the pre-Christmas Day episode. This drops on Christmas Eve Eve. So, Which is weird because I already did the Christmas-based episode, but we want to give them yes. time to go out and shop for the gifts. Absolutely. We want to give you guys a little time so you can shop for those gifts or, you know, just be cheap like what, you know, I'm going to be doing. I told everyone, I said, you can get a cocktail from me as a present. That's your present. Yep. I'm not buying any gifts. So <laughs> going around a lot this, this year. Yeah, this is what we're doing. This is what we're about. This is what we're, yeah, it's happening. But um, I definitely wanted to share our last interview of the year. Yay. Hey. There are tons of interviews that we've done that have not aired this year as yet, but they will be. They will be very, very soon. They'll be airing. All the ones we recorded this year will be done in the first quarter of 2021. They'll all just be out there in the world. I don't want you guys to worry about that. So if you're one of our guests who have been interviewed, we didn't forget you. Your time is coming. Don't worry. It's almost Your time here. is coming. Exactly. It is almost here. But uh, today we are talking to, well, we talked to and are going to play the recording of our interview with Iris Muscarella. Super, super dope human. I'm like half in love with her. Like only half though. Like Only half? Do you sure? Yeah, I don't, I don't do this full love thing. Oh, okay. Right That's now. It's works. only like half. Yeah. Mm. You know, because especially considering, you know, Dr. Z has, like, the other half. So it's like, you know, there's, like, a half-half situation. Oh, okay, so you got to share it up. All right, fair enough. That makes sense. Yeah. A lot of dope, amazing, you know, women that we have yeah. um, interviewed on the podcast. A lot of great um, non-binary people. A lot of great men. A lot of great, you know, people who don't want to be identified as anything. <laughs> yeah. We, we've interviewed a lot of amazing people. That's that's really the point of that. And so we can't wait to give you guys more of this amazing content this year, and next year, and so on and so forth. So, what did Iris and us talk about? Everything. Everything, yeah. <laughs> we literally talked about everything, but also more about her and her journey into, you know, non-monogamy and polyamory and what that looked like for her. Um, we talked about her being solo poly, which is great, because as you guys know, I identify as solo poly. So it's great to talk to other SOPO people. Yeah, I'm cool with the lingo too. SOPO. SOPO. Yeah. Wow, that's how I feel after after I pay my bills. I feel so SOPO. SOPO. Yeah. <laughs> Same, bro. Same. Yes, this is a good chat, and you know, we we tend to go to the same direction with, with each with with most guests, but somehow they all have their own little spin on it. And this was one of those chats that was very fun, went all over the place. We didn't have to cut out anything because it was just that good of a chat. So good, yes. So before we do that, we want to shout out two very important people. Number one, Andrea Matucci. Dear friend, dear, dear friend of the podcast. Hello, Andrea. How are you doing? Andrea's the host of the Shelf Love podcast. You guys have probably heard me on there or heard me talk about it quite a lot. You've mentioned it once or twice. Once or twice, like vaguely, eh, you know, like Shelf Love, maybe. Y'all heard about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Y'all know what we're talking about. And um, also, did we talk about this? Grinch thing last week. Oh no, we saved that for Patreon. Whoops, sorry guys, I almost think... built the thing for y'all. <laughs> I feel like we may have like dropped it a little bit of it, but I'm not sure. Like a little bit. Okay. Well, not in detail. Well... I put it on the Patreon because, mm. oh. but yeah, you can say it again. <laughs> no, yeah, because you know it's Christmas and the Grinch. Also, I I'm, I'm I caved and I'm on TikTok now. So oh yeah, yeah. That couldn't happened. help it. Just had to 
the young people got to her. She couldn't the stay away. The young people got to me. They dragged me into this like weird space. And so now instead of doom scrolling on Instagram while I pee, I now doom scroll on TikTok. So there's that. And uh, there is a lot of holiday related content on there, which I appreciate considering it is the season. So <laughs> there is that. And uh, let's see. Oh, right. The second person that we want to talk about is Alt Playground. Altplayground.net. Duh, they're our sponsor. <laughs> you guys didn't know that by now, then you're definitely missing out. Not paying uh, attention. <laughs> yeah, you guys are not, not paying attention at all. Um, so I'm pretty sure we said that they rolled out in 2020 with one important mission to be the most inclusive lifestyle site out there. They're doing the thing. Don't worry about that. All Playground is so much more than a swinger site. Like with resources and users from all walks of non-monogamy, they are striving to be a true community for all sex positive people. Whether you're polyamorous in an open relationship or simply want to explore your sexuality, you'll find like-minded people at allplayground.net. Like, hello, I'm there. Yeah. I'm mean, there. If you're listening to us, we assume you're at least a little bit like-minded. Yeah, or at you know, least you our like friends, people like minded with us. <laughs> right? Our friends over at, you know, the Sweet Life podcast, they're on there, normalizing non monogamy. They're over there. Like, we got some, we got some cool people over on allplayground.net. It's popping over there with a podcast corner and also with, you know, just the general humans out there trying to make connections in this crazy, crazy, crazy world that is 2020. And we're so happy to be a part of the All Playground family. Definitely looking forward to what's to come. Uh, you know, we've teased some stuff. We've had some meetings about things, and you guys are going to be very excited what we have in store. So sign up today at allplayground.net so you're not left behind. Like, you guys want to be in with the in crowd. Do it. Do the damn thing. Do it. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, you know, I'm Jen. I'm Sham. And, and... we're monogamous. One more try. Oh. One more. We got one more try. <laughs> one more try. Damn it. You can do it. Go back. And like I said, amazing conversation with Iris Mascarella. Amazing interview. It's going to be put right here. It's happening right now. Welcome to another scintillating, exciting, magical, imaginarily wonderful episode of Monogamish Pod. Today, Sham and I have a special guest. Iris, 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 Muscarella. See, it's like mozzarella, but muscarella. Yeah. yeah. Just as salty. <laughs> See, or guys, just delicious. Exactly. <laughs> just as salty and just as delicious. So we're going to let Iris give a quick little introduction about herself, because I don't want to screw anything up, because my memory is bad. Everyone knows I got Swiss cheese for brains. So Iris, take it away for the peeps. Hi, my name is Iris Muscarella, and I um, am a future sex educator and sex therapist. Um, I've also been a speaker at uh, Poly Dallas Millennium on Solo Egalitarian Poly. I have spoken at the Solo Poly Convention in Seattle on Solo Egalitarian Poly. Um, I've also spoken on Polyamory Weekly uh, about the same thing, but also on the Sisterhood Network in Poly and how important it is. Um, and I've done some stuff for some kink uh podcast i've also talked on a dirty talk with delilah about polyamory 101 so i think i uh i've done a lot of talking about poly <laughs> we're gonna Quite do some bit. more today 
We're going to do some more today. Today, but, you know, we we don't really want Iris to go into the whole Polly 101 speech, because I feel like if you guys have gotten to this point in our Perfect. podcast, you kind of know what's going on. And yeah. if you don't really know, you got an idea. But today, we want to learn about Iris. We want to learn about Iris, her journey in non-monogamy, you know, what she's doing now, how she's living and loving. And I guess, I guess we can have her give the solo Polly, egalitarian Polly speech, I suppose. Yeah. You know, you know. We'll see where it takes us. We'll just take it on a journey. So my first question for you is, when did you realize that you were non-monogamous, ethical or not? Okay, uh, I think early on. So it was about the same time I came to the confirmation that I was not straight. Um, at the time I called it bisexual, now I call it pan- pansexual, but that word was not available to me at the time. But uh, I met a guy, and he was a friend of mine, and... Uh, I ended up falling in love with him and I knew he had a girlfriend. And so I never crossed that line. I never, you know, I'm very respectful of other people's relationships. And, uh, and then I met his girlfriend and then we were all hanging out together. And I realized that I was also in love with his girlfriend. And, but I never, you know, I didn't say anything for a long time. Um, and then one night we're all out partying and I was like, guys, I got to tell y'all something. Like I can't hold this in anymore. Like I, I'm scared this is going to ruin our friendship, but I have to say it. I'm like, I'm in love with the both of you. And then they admitted that they were both in love with me, but they didn't want to say anything because at the time I was only 16 and they were 20 and 22 and he was military. Um, and so they didn't want to risk, you know, our friendship, but they also didn't want to risk going to jail for dating me. But we talked about it. We worked it out. Um, and then I came out to my mother um, as bisexual, who was so accepting and loving. And then I also came out that I was dating both, um, we'll call them J and J for now. I was dating J and J. And uh, she was super accepting. Like, it, nothing seemed weird about it. She was like, all right, you know. And, like, I took my girlfriend to my junior prom with me um, while my boyfriend stayed at home with my mother. Um, they hung out with each other. Um, and then we all went partying afterwards. And so I think I knew then that like, I didn't have a word for it. I didn't have a vocabulary for it, but I just knew that that felt good to me and none of that felt wrong. Um, and I tried to be monogamous as I got older, but even the form of monogamy that I was doing was not real monogamy. Um, you know, we would have threesomes, we would swing, um, I would be really manipulative sometimes I didn't, because I didn't know any other way, you know, so I would talk to the man that I was with and I would make him think that it was his idea that the fantasy was for us to have a threesome. Mm-hmm. You know, of course. Plant, yeah, plant those seeds. And meanwhile, I'd be working on another girl on the back end, you know, like planting those seeds on that end, you know, and so eventually when everybody, when all the seeds came to fruition, I was ready to make it happen, you know, and it just seemed to be serendipitous, you know, but <laughs> I think well, I, I still plan on I, I respect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, but as, as I got older, um, and it's actually after I was in a really abusive relationship, um, I took a year to myself to just heal because I knew what had happened was traumatic. And so I took a year to do therapy, to heal, to figure out what about me made me get into a relationship with somebody like that. Um, and, uh, so I was doing therapy and my therapist had asked me, what would you say your like, you know, your optimal relationship would be? And I was like, well, it's not even point saying it because it's not going to happen. You know, she's like, well, just say it. I mean, we're just talking in hypotheticals here. So I explained, I would like to be able to love somebody 
and love other people. And maybe we date them together. Maybe we date them separate. But, you know, that's hot. She's like, have you ever heard the word polyamory before? I was like, no. She's like, just look it up. Look it up. Look it up. You know, and like she left it there, you know. And uh, I looked it up and I was like, oh, my God. There's a word for this. People do this. Like, this is a whole thing. And I need to be a part of it, you know. So I read every book, every article, every every group and anything I could find on it to try to educate myself on it, to make sure that it was something that I wanted to do. Um, so I have been actively practicing ethical non-monogamy or polyamory for about six years, almost seven years. Look at that. See, this is an incredible journey because I think most people don't start off in triads. <laughs> That's not generally how most people start off. Yeah, just just, just right into the deep end. Yeah, I mean, we thought we were making up something new. We we thought we were these iconoclasts who had came up with some new shit, you know. <laughs> ain't nothing new in this world when sex is involved. It really ain't. It really isn't. <laughs> I swear, your life sounds like it should be the uh, like the new version of like a teen rom com or something. It has all the perfect little moments. It's like, oh, sure. you know, you told your best friends that you love them and they love you too, and then you know your mom was cool with it, and then save for you know the one terrible relationship in the middle. Like yeah. the whole story was this. So fun and so full of like positive. I like I love the fact that your mom was accepting, and then your therapist is accepting because that's something we find a lot where the therapist doesn't usually understand. Sometimes like even if you're already poly, you explain to them and they're just like no. But the fact that the therapist was the one to be like, have you ever heard of polyamory? Yeah, See, that's a, that's a good therapist. And it's a good a mom. Therapist. And, and I was, it was really cool to her because I was just like, you know, I don't think I un- fully understood the weight of what had happened in that moment until, you know, she moved. So she's no longer, you know, here. But, you know, like going to other therapists and realizing that they're not cool with polyamory, that a lot of people are not educated on polyamory and that people are going to judge you, you know. So it was a very enlightening. I'm so grateful. You know, the universe puts the right people in your life at the right time, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, doesn't, you're, it doesn't really get much better than that. It really, really doesn't. Having these amazing relationships just happen sort of organically, I think. So yeah. have you been in, I mean, you started out in a triad. Have you been in any other triad since or is it just? Yeah, actually, um, I was in an open triad uh, with one of my current partners. Uh, we had, we shared a partner. Um, I'm kind of in a loose triad right now that's fully open. Um, I have been in a full bisexual quad, um, which was fun. Two males, two females. That was fun for a little while. Uh, so I've been in a lot of different, um, organizations of, of poly relationships. Yeah. I mean, that's also amazing. Cause you, I've found with a lot of people that we've spoken to, it's like they're in a triad then they'll never do a triad again or they're constantly seeking triads, but once they've branched outside of certain things, they're kind of like, oh no, we're not, we're not going back there. It was yeah. interesting that you've managed to cultivate so many different formations, so many different shapes of relationship, I think. Yeah, I think I could only ever do an open uh, triad. I don't think I could ever do a tro- tro- uh, closed triad. That's just the monogamy 2.0 for me, and it's just not what I'm trying to do. Like I my autonomy and my agency is the number one most important thing to me. And so I feel like once you close it and you say it's closed because I said it's closed, it takes that away from me, you know? And so mm-hmm. I've never been a closed triad. I mean, like more power to people who do, but it's not for me. As long as it's open, 
then like, great, you know, and it's like, they have to form naturally. People have to just be vibing on their own. It can't be forced is what I've noticed. You know, I notice when people try to force a triad or something like that, it just doesn't work, you know? And you have to have strong relationships, mm-hmm. individual relationships too, because if one part of the triad breaks apart, you have to still be able to be strong, you know, on your other relationship if that's important to you. So there's a lot, it's a lot of communication, I think. I, th- I think it's more communication than people think it's going to be. Oh, yeah. As someone who has been in several failed three-way relationships for a variety of reasons, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And once again, you hit our favorite nail on the head, which is communication. Yes. Number one thing, always important. Yeah, I love when people are like, you're poly? You must be having so much sex. I'm like, no, I'm having so many conversations. (laughs) I'm having (laughs) so much communication. I'm having much less sex than you think I am. That is always the worst part to me, right? There's this assumption that poly is just all about sex. And I've spoken about this with a couple of people before, maybe not on the pod, my memory. Remember, I don't remember shit. But I was pretty sure we brought it up that, yeah, there's this idea that you're only polyamorous to cheat or just to fuck other people or that somehow it's all tied into sex and never tied into genuine human emotion and connection. Well, it's the, the pattern that anything that is other must immediately go to the base of something, right? And so it's like, if you are not going to be a heteronormative, monogamous relationship, then it has to go to the base, right? So it's like, well, then you're obviously doing it for sex, you know, because a lot of people who are in heteronormative, monogamous relationships are in those relationships because of sex, right? It's like, like men date women so that women will have sex with them, you know, and like there's this premise that women don't enjoy sex, that women don't seek out sex themselves, you know, things like this. Right. And so for them to think, oh, well, you're going to open up your relationship. It's got to be because of sex, because that's typically their driving force when they don't understand that they're the variety and the spectrum of relationships that you can have in a polyamorous relationship some of them will not include sex, you know, um, some will not include sex for a long time or not at all. Or if you, somebody's ace or, you know, something along those lines, or if they're dimmy, you know, like it can really change the dynamic, you know, um, I have two relationships that I've had for, uh, over five years and one for four and a half and we fluctuate, you know, things change, you know, um, especially like as your body changes, as your life situation changes, you know, one of my partners just had a baby. Um, So, you know, it's like, obviously there's going to be some like space and time where we're not being sexual with each other, but our relationship is built on such a fucking great foundation that sex is just the frosting on the cake, but the cake is delicious. What flavor cake do you think it is? I know this is a silly question, but now I just got to know what flavor cake would it be? Ooh, uh, I'm going to say, like red velvet, like something very rich and decadent. Oh, yes, yes. Talk nasty to me. Yes. Tell me about this cake cheese and that frosting. frosting. Yes. yes. Cream cheese frosting. Oh, yeah. Squirt all over me. Oh, wait, sorry. We're not there in the conversation. Oh, wow. We're getting, we're getting there already. <laughs> hey, it's been 15 minutes, okay? I think oh, wow. I think we've gotten way further into this without me making a dirty joke than I thought we would. So there we go. Oh, good job to you. Good job to you. <laughs> right. No, High fives for Jen. Right. And I just keep dropping all these like quotable like little nuggets because at first it was the was it people say oh you're having so much sex oh no I'm having so many conversations as I heard it I was just like that that's a t-shirt that's something that's a slogan <laughs> for somebody I don't know and then of course have your cake and eat it too but the cake is delicious and yeah I'm gonna write these down 
when the yeah. episode comes out. Like, yes. Okay. Yes. I'm going to put them in little quotes and our little show notes. I do that sometimes. I put little quotes. I'm like, oh, just right here. Perfect place for that. But yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> you know, let's not get distracted. See, we started talking about food. I got hungry. It was, it was now a whole thing. Then we were squirting. Oh, so, that was hungry. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was hungry for something. <laughs> ah, I see. I see. We're, we're, we're back here now. I'm, I'm focused again. I swear. So you started your journey at 16. You are where you are now. And you say you've done a lot of talks about solo poly and that you would consider yourself to be solo poly. Tell us a bit more about your designation and what that means to you. Because we've asked people all the time, like, oh, what type of poly do you practice? And we get a variety of answers and definitions. So yeah. to you, what is solo poly? So solo poly for me is that I prefer to live alone. Um, I am a very uh, anal retentive person. I like things very, a very structured way. I'm a very structured person and it doesn't make sense. And it's not fair for me to bring another person into that, knowing that they can't do what I want done the way I want it done. So like I've noticed that the end of my relationships has typically come when we have chosen to cohabitate. Um, but I just, I like to live alone. I like my space. I like, I schedule a ton of personal time for myself. I have a lot of interest that I like to do. I'm a very type A driven person and I need that time and that space to focus. Um, I don't like to mix my finances with other people. Um, I like to keep those separate. Um, I don't want to get married ever. I have no interest in it. Um, I don't see the point. I've been married before. It was a horrible idea for me, but you know, like, uh, I don't want to get married. I don't feel the need to do that. Um, I just like to more or less keep a lot of my, my life separate from my partners and I, you know, agency and autonomy and independence are my top three biggest things. And, uh, I identify as egalitarian because all my relationships are very different from each other, but I keep them on equal standing. Nobody gets to pull rank on anybody else. Um, you know, and I, I don't have a primary relationship, but I do tell people that I am my primary relationship. I am going to take precedence over anyone else in my life. If I'm not feeling it and I'm having a bad week or whatever the case may be, I will cancel, you know, and I, it won't, I won't do it often. You'll have to know that something's really wrong for me to go, Hey man, I'm just, I'm in such a bad headspace and I'm just, I got a lot going on right now and you don't deserve for me to put this on you. So I'm going to, I'm going like, to cancel tonight. I'm sorry. Can we please reschedule? You know, I just need to take some time for myself. You know, um, my goals are important to me. I'm, I'm very driven. I'm very type A. And so nothing gets in the way of my goals. And so everybody who's in my life has to understand that. Oh yeah. I definitely respect that. And I think it's solo poly is one of those ones that I think are, the easiest definition of because like solo me my relationship with myself is exactly what it is yeah um but once you start getting deeper into the relationship anarchy and what that means to different people we just start oh we start vibing out uh but yeah so i think that's a very very good descriptor and it helps i think people on the other end of this to understand more yeah. what these sorts of things mean uh, so except you don't like to mix finances, you've tried the cohabitating thing, didn't work. And you don't want to get married again because, you know, you've you've been married before. Yeah. That's also a very common question that pops up in poly. Like, oh, so what you going to do when you, when you get married? What's going to happen? But you're like, that doesn't apply to me, girl. They, nothing going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And people have a lot of questions. You know, like I'm 36 right now. I'll be 37 in March. 
And, you know, people are like, well, what about kids? I'm like, well, you're going on the presumption that they're going to happen. You know, like I haven't even decided that they're going to happen. Uh, you know, this year I'm actually going to be putting my eggs on ice because I don't like the idea that something is hung over my head. You know, like it's a time situation. So like if I put them on ice, if I decide I want to have children, boom, I can do it. If I decide I don't want to have children, I can donate my eggs to people who are, you know, less fortunate. Um, you know, and either way, hey, my genes get out there. But if if, if I do want to have children, that's on me. You know, like I don't I feel like people have this idea of what, you know, that looks like, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you have to be married and and the father's always going to stick around. And, and if history has taught us anything, that's not how it turns out over 50 percent of the time, you know, so. Um, how, why would it be more judgmental for me as a person who is financially stable in their forties to go, Hey, I'm ready now. I'm going to pay to have my eggs inseminated and put into, uh, you know, a surrogate and they're going to have my child and I'm going to raise it by myself with my family. How was that different than I chose somebody who didn't want to be in the child's life and, you know, had a baby and still have to raise it on my own or I got married and then we got divorced and I still raise it on my own. You know, I think that a lot of times the responsibility of children is always left on the women and it more, more yes. often than not, I'll say that more often than not, the responsibility is left on the women. So why shouldn't I choose my most optimal situation for that? And if it doesn't include a man, it doesn't. I can't even say nothing else to that because you're just a thousand percent right that it, it, it is what it is. But yeah, there is that inherent judgment of what a family is supposed to look like. You're supposed to at least try to make it work with the sperm donor first. Like you can't just you can't just be out here having babies. Who does that? Yeah, I'm who like, does that? I'm like, you could choose from your pool or I could choose a Harvard graduate <laughs> that has all of like the stats that I want from a book yeah. and call it a day. You know, you could definitely do that route. And so. Is and of course that's not something you're looking at right now, but yeah. you said one of your partners just had a kid. So yeah. are you involved in that child's life in that way? Is it like a auntie or like an other mommy sort of situation? It's 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 interesting how dynamics work. Mommy so special friend. Yeah, it's complicated. So I mean, her, she's out to her entire family. Um, her, me and her partner are great friends. Um, they actually do live together, and you know all that stuff. Um, and you know, I see them often and you know I'm involved with the child we haven't decided if I get a name or anything yet I mean because like I'm fine with not having a name you know like just just Iris you know this is Iris um and I, and I think that you can develop and change relationships as you like um I I have a son that I did not birth um because I have a friend who got pregnant um somebody tricked her kind of into it kind of thing or whatever it was a stealthing situation and uh. yeah and uh so she uh got pregnant she moved back home and we met instantly became friends you know sometimes you just have a soul connection with somebody and uh we just were like tight we were reading the books together we were doing the hypnotic um birthing together you know and she asked me to be her birthing partner so i actually delivered her baby um i delivered her baby i was the first person to touch her baby and I call her child my son. She calls it my son. My mother calls it her grandson. Um, you know, and we have no romantic link, you know. So it's like families can look like whatever you want them to look like. You know, it's just kind of we're just we're just figuring it out. I think we're making our own path. And I think that's what scares other people is that if there are other people not going by the script, is there even a script, you know, or like have they 
wasted their whole lives following the script, you know? So I think that's what people fear the most when you're being a non-traditional person. The answer is yes. You've wasted your whole life following the script without figuring out exactly what you want from it. So yeah. there's that. Now that we've answered that question for them. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about your pansexuality. I know I see you guys cannot see, but Iris has her hair dyed in the colors of the bi flag. Yeah. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. Yeah. You guys can't see it, but I can. And that's yeah. the most important part. Yeah. These are my favorite colors. Um, I, so I did, okay, so I identified as bi for a very long time um, and definitely try, you know, when I think of bisexual now, and, I, and I've heard a lot of people speak about this, um, bisexual kind of goes more towards the binaries, right? And I know that's not a 100% case situation, but, um, you know, they like very feminine women and they like very masculine men. Um, I do not fit in that box. Um, I like masculine men. I like feminine men. I like feminine women and masculine women. I like, you know, non-binary people. I like trans people. Like I, across the board, across the gender spectrum, like it's less about what's in your pants and more about the summation of a person. You know, I'm attracted to the summation of a person. Like what does your soul look like? That's what makes me attracted to somebody. And so for me, pan kind of fit a little bit better because it was just like, I'm attracted to anybody whose soul is beautiful. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, pan culturally, pan gender, pan sexually, you know, that's what I'm attracted to. Yeah, and same. Well, not as eloquently put as you, but yes, <laughs> same. I, but, you know, that running joke of like, oh, so you like pots and pans? I'm like, yes air fryers, instant pots. I like all the stuff. I like all the appliances. Give them all to me, please. Everybody I'm equal opportunity appliance. A sweet spot. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. So have you found that you date more queer people or do you find that you date more heterosexual people? And I ask this because as a queer woman, it it can go either way. Yeah, I think that in the beginning of my life, I'd say in my 20s, I definitely dated more men just because it was easier, you know, to to find men who were interested in me and to have those kinds of relationships. And I also had a really traumatic, um, abusive female relationship when I was 19. Um, and she did the most hurtful shit anybody's ever done to me. And after that, I was like, nope, no more women. I was like, men, men will hit you. Okay, men will hit you, they'll hurt you. Women, women think about how they can hurt you emotionally the worst and then execute it beautifully, you know? And so after that, I didn't like date, date women for about 10 years. Um, and I met my current girlfriend um, and we, when we met, we were like, we're not going to be girlfriends. Like we're just, we're just getting down with the get down. That's what we're doing, you know? And, uh, but we fell in love with each other and it just happened naturally. And we both went into it. I'm her first ever girlfriend. Um, she was my first one in 10 years. And now my, both of my long-term relationships are both with women. Um, and now that I have long-term relationships with women, it's a lot harder for me to date cis heterosexual men um especially you know now that i've dated people who are trans and non-binary and gender fluid and and bi men oh i love me a bi man Woo! <laughs> but you know i just 
it's a lot harder to date them because I'm, I'm now in these female relationships where I'm used to doing 50% of the emotional labor in my relationship, you know, and of course that fluctuates. Sometimes you're doing 60, sometimes you're doing 40, you know, whatever, but I'm used to someone else being an equal partner in the emotional labor that happens in my relationships. And with cis heterosexual men, a lot of times you're doing a hundred percent of the emotional labor in your relationships and it can be exhausting, you know, and sometimes dating men too, they're not saying what they mean, you know, and they're, there's a lot of uh, loopholes to what they're saying. And I'm just, I'm just too old and I'm too busy to play games with people. So like, I'm the queen to cut you off. Like, I'm like, Oh, you pissed me off. Cut you off. You stood me up, cut you off. You know, like I, I, my block button is strong. So it's been harder for me to have cis heterosexual relationships with men, especially now in the pandemic. I don't know if the isolation has made them lose their fucking mind or like lose all their social skills or forget that you're supposed to be charming and have some sense of finesse. I don't know what's going on, but I have had nothing but bad experiences since the pandemic. And I haven't even really met anybody in person. It's just been talking online. Men just disappoint, don't they? Not you, Sham. Sham, you are, you are a gem among men. You are actually the exception to a lot of the things she's talking about. No, no, it's fine. I, I take no offense. I'm well aware of the folly of, of my people. And I apologize <laughs> on behalf of I all cishet men because um, they're not doing great. We're, we're, as, a, as a collective, we're not doing great. You know, some of us are trying, but yeah. well, I my, can understand. My best friend is a guy. Um, he's dated my best friend, but they are in a poly relationship. This is his first poly relationship. And I mean, he is swimming in pussy. I mean, like he's just having it thrown at him left and right. And he's like, I don't understand. I don't understand why it's all coming at me. I was like, you're a decent man. Okay. Because decent men, the fucking pool of decent men right now is the size of a thimble. It's the size of a damn thimble you know so I was like of course you are swimming in it because you were in the tiniest pool I was like me on the other hand I'm having to deal with this other pool and it sucks like the other pool sucks like I'm scared mom can you come pick me up because this is not cool yes the one recent date that I did I walked out in the middle of it as the food came now anybody who knows me knows I'm food aggressive and I was very hungry I had not eaten all day and but when the food came, the things that he was he was saying were so outlandish to me that I was like, I don't know. Nope, I'm getting angry and I don't owe you my emotions and I don't owe you my time. I don't owe you a motherfucking thing. So I'm actually going to pay this whole bill. I hope you enjoy your dinner and your drinks because I don't want you to say that I owe you half this bill. I don't want you to have another fucking reason on God's green earth to text me again. So I'm out. You know, like it was the worst date. <laughs> Wow, wow. You, you know a date is bad if somebody leaves when the food comes. Because as <laughs> right? bad as a date is, at least the food would be the best part. Like, yeah. hey, at least you can eat. But damn. If... Yeah. Oh, he, as soon as we sat down, said, said something anti-Semitic. Oh, he wow. What? That, yes. He to start said, off with, huh? Yeah, he said something anti-Semitic. He was saying basically that jewish people were in control of the media and all this stuff and like causing racial divide i was like i don't agree with you and what you're saying is incredibly offensive do not say that to me and then he went into this whole tirade on it even though i'm asking him to stop 
um, and said that white nationalists were not racist and that <laughs> white supremacy didn't exist. I was like, I need to, I need to get the fuck out of here. What right. am I doing? I feel like you need to escape. Is there a, is there a trap door or something you can just slide under the table and disappear under? Because damn. The fact that we even got that far, it was literally just because I was in shock. I was like, am I all fucking pumped? Is Ashton Kutcher going to jump out of here? Like, what is happening? Okay, now I understand. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's not even a bad day. That's just, you may not be safe. Get, yeah, get out. I, I was trying to leave, and yeah. he was like, well, hold on. I think we can agree to disagree. I was like, we cannot agree to disagree when your opinion is fucking steeped and dripping in the oppression of me and people like me. We can no longer agree to disagree. Like, we're on separate sides of the field, son. Oh, man. And I think part of the reason why people are agree or attempting to agree to disagree now, too, has to do with this. Okay, so I'm looking at it from a romance, you know, novel standpoint. There's so many romance novels now talking about the Nazi officer with the Jewish woman. Said, trust me. And then the dating across the aisle, you know, the the uptight liberal Democrat with the, you know, the Republican. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm telling you, if you voted for Trump, my pussy is as dry as the Sahara Desert. Like, there is not a drop of fucking moisture left in it. There is nothing we can do. There's not enough lube on this planet to get your dick inside of me. It's just not going to happen. I am, I, I agree 1000%. So guys, just in case you were not sure, <laughs> if you voted for Donald J. Trump in 2016 or 2020 or 2020. That's true. Some people started voting already. Yeah. You ain't going to get none of this. Not mm-hmm. from either of us. Not from nobody in this conversation. Sorry. I vote with my vagina. <laughs> I would feel very bad if anyone thought any different while listening to this podcast so far. Just like, no, you, you know, never maybe know. I have a chance. I mean, well, the fact that that guy was still like, you know, let's agree to disagree. We can still have a good night. It's like, no. <laughs> It had already gone bad and he was still going for it. So, you know what, there's, yeah. what is that? What, what I keep saying that, you know, the one, like men just have the audacity. The like audacity. Must, must be on sale or something this year. Yeah. The unmitigated gall. <laughs> oh God. Men are the weakest link always. But you know what? It's fine. But we don't always date men. Well, see, none of us on this call exclusively date men. Sham is straight, so, you know, he's fine. But see, the yeah. rest of us, we good. We have options. We got options for this. Damn. Yeah. I just, I still cannot believe that. Uh, well, you know what? I can believe it. That's probably the most upsetting part. And yeah. the thing, the reason that I even chose to go on a date, because, I mean, he was all, like, love and light and crystals and crunchy granola, and your girl's very witchy. So, you know, like... We were talking. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm doing a full full moon ceremony with my family. You know, and he was like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, we charge our crystals. We set out our intentions. We set them on fire, send them out into the universe. You know, like we're, we're saging and cleansing our homes. You know, like I'm talking. He's like, oh, yes, I keep my crystals on me. So I got duped. And then come to find out that a lot of these people who are very into this, like, quote, unquote, witchy shit or whatever, you know, like it's the very colonized version of it. Um are also super conservative when it comes to politics. And I that blew my mind because I didn't even think those were in the same realm. You just blew my mind because I was thinking the same thing. It's like, I know these set of people. I know those set of people. And I've never heard of them meeting before now. Yeah, I I didn't know that, but apparently it's a thing. Well, Sham, remember we talked about this, that polyamorous people who are conservative make no sense to me either. Oh, yeah, I'm just like, how, how, how are, how do we, and this is not to shit on you conservative poly people. It's just a genuine question. I do not understand 
people living alternative lifestyles, which go against the norm, fighting with people who would do anything to hurt your lifestyle. It does not make sense to me. So I used to work with a gay man who proudly voted for Trump and told me on a flight that um, us blacks pointing at me, you blacks are, are... are the problem oh, they just keep in the world. Worse. And I'm just kind of like, excuse me, <laughs> please, please do not point your finger at me to use the word you blacks because I feel like you about to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. I know you on your steroids right now, but I promise you, I will still drag your ass from here to the back of the plane. So don't yeah. be doing me like that. Yeah, you blacks are the reason why this and, you know, the, the Republican Party was really the Democratic Party and you blacks are the reason why slaves were happening. You Democrat blacks. And I was oh. like, you know, I... Because he was trying to give me a history lesson on how, you know, the parties flipped ideals and sides and, you know, the Democrats yeah. were forming the conservatives. And I was like, honey, you're saying all these words, but all I'm hearing is punch me in the mouth. Yeah, you obviously want me to karate chop you in your throat. That's obviously what you want to happen. But if you want that, honey, that's extra. Like, I don't do that for free. Right, not for free. But it, but that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Like, you don't expect people who are not in the binary to have such strong ideals about things that will hurt them ultimately. I think we have to look at it the same way we look at intersectionality. You know what I mean? Like um, for us as poly queer people of color, yeah, I mean, we're, we're dealing with a lot of intersectionality, you know, but for them, even though he's, he's queer, he's white and he's male and he's cis, right. You know, so he's got one strike against him. So to him, you know, like anything that's going to put him up on a pedestal, he's going to take it. Like people don't want to change the systems that they are benefiting from. And especially when you're talking about when it comes to wealth, there's a lot of people who started out very liberal, but as they got more money have become more conservative to keep their wealth. Right. Like, and it's, it's the whole sellout situation, you know, but there's a lot of people who, especially like in poly, what I found is, is most communities in poly are mostly white you know, and these are also going to be mostly people who are wealthy um, to be able to afford this kind of lifestyle, you know, because it isn't cheap if you're wanting to have, you know, three, four girlfriends and y'all live together and you're taking care of everybody, you know, like it's not cheap. And so, you know, I found that these spaces to be very white, to be very wealthy, and they want to maintain their wealth. But also too, the thought that we would be taxing billionaires and things like that, actually hurts their idea that one day they could be a billionaire and this could apply to them, even though they are much closer to being poor than they are to being rich. So I think it's this this dissonance that happens is number one. And number two, it's the they are benefiting from the systems that are in place and therefore they don't want to change them. Little bastards. Mm hmm. <sighs> Okay, that's our politics segment for the day. Thank you for tuning in to Politics with Iris, Jen, and Jam. (laughs) Next up, we're talking about therapy. (laughs) So you were studying to be a sex therapist. So you have a bachelor's in psychology as well, do you? Or did you? Um, I actually have a bachelor's in business and marketing. And I'm actually finishing up a BA right now in uh, psychology and then going straight into my master's. So I'm going into an express program kind of thing. Um, since I already have a degree that I'm just getting the specifications for my BA in psychology um, and I'm not having to do any of the basics since I did them already. And so it's just a it's a express 
program kind of thing or whatever that leads right into my master's degree. Um, but yeah, I want to do sex therapy. I think that there's, I think it's important, but I also, I think that there's a lot of people who are left out of the conversation when we're talking about sex therapy. And so specifically what I most, most want to specify and, and, and focus on is, um, sex therapy for non-traditional relationships, whether that's poly, whether that's swinging, whether that's, uh, dominant submissive, daddy little, you know, any kind of change in power dynamics. Um, I would like to do kink, uh, people. I would like to work with, uh, people with disabilities. Um, I'm actually learning ASL and I've been doing a lot of research on, um, sex, for different kinds of disabilities, um, you know, because I think disability is so important because it is something that will touch all of us at some point in our life, right? Um, so I'm learning ASL right now so I can have deaf clients. Um, I'm learning about different sexual positions and different pleasures, pleasure zones and things like that for different disabilities. Um, and I'm also wanting to work with geriatrics and I'm wanting to work with like long-term couples on maintaining intimacy and things like that. So I have a bunch of little niches that I have found are really um, not given a ton of attention when we're talking about sex therapy. Well, I would tell you for sure those geriatrics need it because what is that? The the STD rate in nursing homes is what the highest of any population in the country. That is so, I mean, of course, I know that when you get old, you don't die, like you, your sex drive doesn't necessarily die, especially for women. I know that as we get older, that shit gets higher. Yeah. Well, I think, too, it's like what we're seeing, too, is like with the, you know, advent of Viagra, you know, it's like the dick used to die and now it doesn't, you know. And so it's like, you know, they're wanting to use it as long as it can be used. And I think that a lot of older women right now who were in nursing homes uh, were the women who were kind of going through the sexual revolution and and learning that women can have sexual pleasure. I mean, they're still not, you know, they're not there there, you know, because that was more in the 70s. But um they're kind of discovering their own sexuality and their own stuff. Um, I have some friends who are sex workers and they talk about older women um, who are coming in and having their first sexual experiences with women because they felt that way their whole life, but they were not allowed to express it. They were, you know, married early on. Um, and then when their husbands passed, then they want to explore their sexuality with other women. So they use sex workers as a way to experience that and, and, and discover and figure out if they like it or if it was just the thought, you know, because sometimes what you like in your head is not what you like in real life, you know, um, which I think is beautiful, you know, and, and I think that they should have that, you know, like one of the things I would love to do is to uh, accumulate a list of um, sexual surrogates um, for my disabled clients. Um, and I know it's illegal and I'd have to figure out how to get around that, but I think that it's a, what they do is beautiful and amazing and I think it's needed and necessary. And so I don't understand why it's illegal, you know. I mean, I don't even know how to say it. Like, you're doing the, I would say you're doing the Lord's work, but you're definitely doing the Lord's <laughs> I mean, work. I mean, it is the Lord's work, okay? God did not put us on this earth with all this stuff for us not to use it. Just saying. Okay. Because, like, definitely there's therapists who probably would try to help with, you know, certain, I guess, categories of, of, of relationships, where it's, whether it's kink, whether it's, you know, polyamory and so on. And I've heard a lot of stories where even the, the ones who are helpful, they're they're just trying to understand it and trying to give the best that they can give from what they understand. But the fact that you have some experience and you actually know this world and you've done some research, I think would be a lot more beneficial to any potential clients that you may have. So Thank you. definitely 
a, a great thing that you're doing. Right, I think so too. And yeah, well, technically, I mean, if you just call them an intimacy surrogate, is it illegal? I don't know. I'll have to look that look that up. I mean, because I'm trying to figure out what the loopholes are now, so that when I go into practice, I can be like, hey, you know, because I know there's things you can do, like if you've discussed it, right? Like let's just say you've discussed it, but you haven't like suggested anything. If there's a card on the table and they take the card, that has nothing to do with you, you know? Like that was just a card on the table and they took it, you know? But I, I think it's such a beautiful thing. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of research on it, and. Um, I think we tend to infantize disabled people and to act like that they don't feel sexual desire and they don't have sexual needs. And they do, you know, they're humans. They, they deserve to feel intimate touch. They deserve to feel pleasure. They deserve to be looked upon as something beautiful and sexy and sexual uh, without feeling bad for them or, you know, anything like that. You know, like, I just think that it's so important that we, we focus on and, and face the reality of this, you know, and I, and I do know there's some people who have certain disabilities in which they're, they're mentally, you know, not there, you know, far enough to, to consent. And I would never suggest anything for, for that, you know what I mean? But if somebody just has a physical disability or, you know, something like that, where they can still consent and they're still adults and they still have wants and needs, then a hundred percent, I would want to try to facilitate that or help them in any way that I could, you know, because I think sex is, sex and intimacy are such amazing things. And I think that no person in this world should leave this world not have, having felt that. It's so funny that you brought that up because we had a conversation with, you know, Zach Butter, resident consent educator and expert the other day, just talking about consent when people with disabilities and what that looks like. And because there's this idea that once you are disabled, like you said, sex is just not for you. And it just people don't. And that people, yeah, they infantilize them and don't tend to see them as sexual beings. So it's so funny that you brought that up again. It's like, ah, look at that. Connecting the dots across the episodes. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like you're going to do a really, really amazing things. I mean, I would hire you to be my therapist. Not right now because I'm poor. But, you know, in the future, like when you're qualified and I have money, this seems like a good yeah, fit. We could, we, could, we could do it. We could make it happen. <laughs> definitely make it happen. So what is your current, I mean, we kind of touched on it before, but your current poly living and loving situation? Of course, you live alone because you're solo. But do you have, how many partners do you, would you say that you have that are more quote unquote serious compared to say, you know, comets and things, you know, all these fun words I'm throwing around? Yeah, yeah, no, I love good words. I'm, I'm all for a label. Um, I have two serious partners, both female. Uh, one is a masculine female and one is a uh, feminine female. Um, both my partners have other partners. Uh, one of my partners lives with her partner and has a baby. The other one, they live separate. Um, her other partner is also solo poly. Um, so we, we all work really well together. Um, I... I would say that I'm dating, but I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm attempting, I'm making an attempt, but like I said, um, it's been difficult. And since I'm kind of a very fool with the female presence in my life, I would like a balance of a male presence in my life, uh, but they just don't act right. And I just don't have the patience. So I, I'm not currently dating any men. Um, I, I have some like long-term lovers, um, that have been in my life for a very long time, some of them over a decade. Um, but, you know, all we're all 
you know, sheltering in place. We live in different states, you know, things like that. So uh, I haven't really seen any of them or anything like that. Like, but I, I tend to keep, uh, I have some people who are comets, you know, uh, I have some people who are lovers. I have all different kinds of relationships. I countless lovers at this point, you know, like it doesn't matter if I'm currently engaging with them. Like they, it, the possibility is there if I ever wanted to again. Um, but I keep strong relationships. I'm very careful about who I invest in um, because once I do invest in you, it's for life. You know, like once I've made that invest, well, bar you doing something crazy, you know, but I invest in people for life. I'm, I'm still friends with every ex that I've ever been in a long-term relationship with, except for the two abusive ones, but everyone else, we're still friends. Oh, and uh, the most recent guy that broke up with me at the beginning of isolation because his family had a problem with me being black. We're not friends anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's lucky that you didn't knee him in the balls. Shit. Yeah. So um, other than that, I'm friends with everyone else. And um, I, I do try to, have amicable breakups. I do try to, even when things don't, you know, cause I've dated some people and been like, Hey, I don't think we're good, like in a relationship, but I think we have great chemistry as friends and lovers. So maybe we should keep it there, you know? Um, but currently, um, just my two partners, that's it. Um, talking, talking to people, but I have no faith that that's going to work out anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but are the DMS open? The DMS are always open. Um, and the thing is, too, is like people, if they want to slide up in these DMs, they have to understand I'm a complicated individual. My attraction is complicated. Um, you know, I love a good conversation. I love when somebody can talk about something I don't know about. I love to see passion in someone's eyes when they light up about something in their life and tell me all about it and explain it to me. I don't care what it is, you know, like just just happy, passionate about it. You know, I'm very sapiosexual. So uh, my, my, my sexuality is very complicated. My attraction is very complicated. I just want to speak, well, not on behalf, but let me speak directly to the men out there. She is trying, okay? <laughs> she is trying to connect with you. So just be better. She does want to manage her life, but you're not helping the situation. So just from one man over here to however many of you are out there listening, just be better. Come on. Yes. So I'm just, just trying to yes. No, they need the help. Do better. Be better. Don't send me a dick pic. The third text message that we send to each other, you know, like I literally, uh, my girlfriend has been cracking up because uh, I show her all my text messages because uh, we laugh about it all the time together. And uh, there was one guy, we literally got five messages in. It was, hey, sexy. I'm like, hey, he's like, how are you doing today? I was like, I'm doing great. How are you? The next one. It'd be better if you were sitting on my face right now. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to. And this was your first conversation? First conversation. Fifth text message. I was like, I, I'm going to unmatch that swipe left. Swipe left. <laughs> this is just so regular. Okay. What is your favorite dating app to use then so far that, yeah. Um, I think Bumble. Okay, so I'll say this. As far as like finding other professionals, because that's another like facet, is that you have to be another professional because I'm busy all the time. You know, like I'm I'm in school full time. I run my business full time by myself. I have two full time partners. You know, so it's like you have to be good with scheduling 
and I need you to also be busy or have other partners because I can't be your everything. I don't want to be, I have no desire to be, you know, so that's another big thing that gets most people out of the running. Um, And uh, so Bumble typically tends to have more professionals, uh, whereas aesthetically, I tend to very much like the men of tender, even though I don't like them as people. So kind of a toss up. course that's so funny i can imagine so the men of tinder i guess present themselves better physically but as people as we i think we've discussed on the podcast before jen has given her own accounts that yeah they're just terrible out there yeah i mean it's terrible you know like i literally had a guy yesterday like he was like should i bring if we go on a first date should i bring another girl i was like why would you bring another girl and he was like well, because you're you're bisexual, right? So like, you know, I was like, um, I'm pansexual, but okay. I was like, um, that doesn't mean I fuck everybody. Oh. Like, I'm actually like very picky. And, oh my god. The yeah. thought process that brought that to his head is just amazing even, to me. Yeah, I can't even I can't even connect A to B on that one, you know. And I was like, look, also too, I'm I very strict like about my sex. If I were to have sex with somebody, they would first have to get tested, and I need to see the test results. And he was like, oh, no, I think that's actually really good, you know, like, because I hate using condoms. I was like, what made you think that was an option? I was like, no, condoms are not negotiable. They are always used. Like, what the fuck, you know? And I was like, I'm just going to unmatch. I'm going to unmatch. Yeah, because yeah. this-, <laughs> this is not working. There's too much that's going on here. He's an idiot. So just unmatch. Just yeah. The match. one silver lining is that at least he disqualified himself from early. <laughs> he didn't get as far as, you know, halfway through dinner and then had to realize how terrible he actually was. He just yeah. said it up front. It was like, oh, you know what? Don't waste your time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a whole thing. And then the catfishing. There's so much catfishing that's happening, um, which is a, terrible. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. I mean, like, there is a lock for every key, man. Like, just be yourself. Somebody wants that, you know? And, like, you could have a chance with that person if you would not catfish other people. Like, I always wonder what the end game is with catfishing because it's just when they see you in person, they're going to know it's not you. What what do you think is going to happen? I had read something very recently uh, that said that some of these men actually do it as a way to get back at pretty girls for not being into them. And so they will maintain these conversations, ask these girls out on dates and then leave them there, like just stand them up as like a, you know, rib to them for not being into who they are. But I'm like, you didn't show who you were. So like, how are you, I don't know, where are you coming to that conclusion? This sounds very incel. Yeah, incels. I get sick of them, sick of all of you. God. See, men are a scourge on this planet. I swear. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I always feel like that meme, and it's like, men, ew, dick. Hmm? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly that. Like, get those two to go together, man. Like, it'd be great. (sighs) It's. It's hard out here in these streets, guys. It's very hard out here. I just want to let you guys know. Remember, like Sham said, Iris is trying to give you a chance. <laughs> Y'all just fucking it up. Yeah. So the ghosting happens. Like I don't understand the ghosting thing. Like uh, I've never been ghosted in my life, and I've been ghosted twice this summer. And because they're horrible people. 
I'm like, just tell me you're not into it. I don't care what the situation is. You can be like, hey, I just uh, decided I'm not into it. I'd be like, oh, cool. Thanks for telling me. Uh, I wish you all the best. I hope whatever was going on gets worked out. You know, it would never have to even be a big deal. Like, I wouldn't even ask why. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, here's the thing. I am really bad at dating apps, right? So I'm sure there are a bunch of people out there who think that I've ghosted them just because I matched with someone, probably exchanged two words. The conversation didn't go anywhere. I deleted the app from my phone for about six months. <laughs> and then I came back. So I'm pretty sure there are scores of people who think that I have ghosted them when really we just haven't really had that rapport going in the first place. Yeah. Um, but I just, it's something that doesn't appeal to me because I, it means I have to actively avoid you, right? Mm-hmm. I could just block you or unmatch you and you'd get the point right away. Why would I leave you there as like a, a weird tentative option? So you well, it's not even that for me. It's like people that I've actually like met and hung out with and like we've hung out a few times and then it's like they just disappear and they don't tell you why they you have no idea what's going on. Like they're just gone, you know, um, and I'm like. What are you? Did you die? Are you OK? I, listen, maybe they died. I don't know. I just assume that anyone that ghosted me died. Yeah. So they died and then if they come back to life later on well i guess that's their thing but yeah it's like hey i guess we're not dead anymore cool cool go fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that exactly that uh but we know we've we spent a lot of time talking about men ew except for sham sham's cool (laughs) but uh you know a lot of you have some work of course since around female relationships and you know relationships with women tell me what to do to build strong female relationships you know what strong female relationships are actually a lot easier than we've been led to believe you know like you get a bunch of drunk girls in the bathroom they are fucking best friends you know and that's that's us at our most honest right and i think that what a lot of women fail to realize in poly is that we hold the power right we are the ones who decide what poly is because we are the ones who hold the standards right and i don't think that it's important i don't think it's fair that women should always have to hold the moral standards of everything. I don't think it's fair at all. I don't think it's fair to put the gatekeepers, but it is reality of our life. Right. And I think that if we come together as women and we have strong female networks that we work within, that we can protect each other and we can help each other and we can set down some fucking heavy ground rules and people have no fucking option, but to listen, you know, um, and it, and it helps us out, too, because I think that if you have any kind of non-traditional situation, you're going to have predators, right? And some of these predators are so good. They're so good at camouflaging themselves, you know? So it's when I have a, a network of poly women that I talk to and, like, I will put in a group, you know, our group text or our group messages or anything like that. I'm like, hey, uh, does anybody know this person? And they were like, oh, actually such and such dated him. And you'll either get like some good recommendations or you get some bad ones. But I've also had somebody save me from a sexual predator. Um, it was a person who lived in a different city. We were going to be at the same event. He was very attractive, you know, when we were chatting each other up. And I was like, hey, does anybody, uh, any of my Austin babes have any information on this person? And they were like, don't do it. Don't do it. This guy is like a total fucking sexual predator. And like, you know, stories of women telling me things that happened with this guy, you know, and eventually he ended up getting ousted out of the community. Uh, But, you know, and he's off, I guess he travels around the world now or something like that. But, you know, he's definitely a predator, you know, and um, had it not been for that network, you know, who knows what could have happened, you know, Um, and 
it's just good too because I think that as women if we stand together sometimes there are men who would like to put us against each other especially if you're both their partner and they're not doing kitchen table or whatever the case may be you know I've had a partner put me against another one of their partners you know where all they ever did was come and tell me bad things about this person, you know, and like how this person made them feel and how this person disliked me and, you know, so on and so forth or whatever. And it was this like constant, it was a baby poly, you know, it was a whole bunch of this constant like flow of, you know, this other person disliking me. And I would give, you know, they would tell me, oh man, my partner did this, 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 and it just made me feel, I'm like, well, maybe you should do this. Like how you do with anybody, like your friend, maybe you should do this, this, this. Well, uh, they tell that person, well, Iris thinks I should do this. And then this person hates me now because they think that I'm butting into their relationship, you know. And I don't think the person did it intentionally, but it did cause a major riff between us to, that exists to this day. We don't like each other. We won't be in the same space together. Like, we're just, we're done with each other. Um, and I think that's actually super common, whether the person is intending to or not, you know. And I think by having those networks and that sisterhood you know, you can kind of come together and be like, hey, does, you know, does Sham do this, 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 and this with you or whatever? Yeah, fucking gets on my nerves. You know, I'd be like, we should both talk to him if it's both bothering both of us, you know, like, and just having that ability because I think that Polly magnifies any of your shortcomings. And it also magnifies any of the great things you bring to a relationship because when you're having two, three, four relationships and they all have the same complaint against you, obviously it's you. And it's something that you need to fix. And if they can talk to each other and network with each other, then you don't, it's harder to gaslight us. It's harder to abuse us. It's harder to pit us against each other. It's harder for um, these predators to be in our communities. You know, it's, it's harder for all of this stuff to happen because we keep this network strong. And the network is so strong that we can tell each other something like, oh, I saw that you went and hung out with such and such. Just so you know, he dated such and such and it was abusive. You might want to talk to her. And they feel open to make that connection to protect themselves. You know, like I told uh, girls here in the Dallas scene, like uh, there was a guy here. He's very abusive, but he's very charming. He's very beautiful. And uh, one of my friends I saw was going to go on a date with him. And so I let her know, hey, he was dating one of my friends. And he was physically and emotionally abusive. Like, these are things that he did. So, you know, I'm not telling you what to do. Just be careful. I just want you to have the warning. And she was like, thank you, girl. Canceled the date already. You know, like, and it's just been one of these things where we help each other and we save each other, you know, from these bad situations and we protect each other, you know, and all it has to take is communication and being like, that's my sister, you know, sisters before misters. <laughs> yeah. I think once you decenter your relationships with men, it means that sisterhood is filled that way. Cause you're absolutely right. I go to a bathroom at a club. It's like, Oh my God, your lipstick is so pretty. Where did you get it? Your dress is so beautiful. Your hair is so amazing. It, yeah. it really is our default setting. You're absolutely right on that. And we've just One. been taught to compete with each other when it's unnecessary, you know, by us competing with each other and by us being against each other, it gives men more power over us. But if we let that go and we just like live in our live in our truth and live in our sisterhood, like there's nothing we can't do. One point you said earlier that uh, I really like and would like latch on to is you said that when you're in poly, uh, things about you are amplified. So the, so when you said that point, I was like, I didn't think about that. That makes a lot of sense. If you have multiple partners, then whatever good or bad traits about you, they're all going to experience them. So if they all have a complaint, you know what's wrong. 
or if they're all, you know, um, complementing the same thing, then you know that's the good part about you. So yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely something specific to the poly relationships that I never thought about before. Not to you know jump into the the girl power that's going on, but you know. No, no, I mean, but I think it is. I think it's important that we are constantly taking. Um, we're auditing ourselves constantly. We're auditing our relationships constantly because none of us are perfect. And I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care what you know. You can have toxic behaviors. You can even have abusive coping mechanisms from back from abusive relationships. Like I myself have had to clear myself of things and I have to audit myself sometimes, you know, because I think it's important to consistently audit yourself and consistently go back and look at your conversations and think, did I handle that the right way? Could I have handled that? differently you know like and I think it makes you a better partner and a better person you know and especially if it's magnified like oh I fought with this partner about this and then two days later I fought with this other partner about the exact same thing I might be the problem (laughs) all right so in regards to I guess just general poly I guess life and such what are some of your favorite I guess books and tools that kind of help I guess, with being a, a therapist and so on, and just living poly life. Oh, I, I love books. I love books. Um, so love is not colorblind. Love it. Um, uh, I'd say another one would be the Jealousy Workbook. I think that's a great one to work with. Um, I mean, obviously, people are going to say more than two and ethical slut, but I actually thought that there was a book that was actually written better, and it's called uh, Polyamory in the 21st Century by Deborah Annapol. And uh, I, that's that's my favorite poly book so far. Um, and then if we're talking about like queer relationships, you know, like She Comes First is amazing. Um, there's also The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory. Um, trying to think. Ooh, Attachment Styles. There's a book called Attachment. I think that's an amazing one to figure out your attachment styles and how to communicate your attachment styles and how to rid yourself of some of the toxic behaviors of your attachment styles. Um, nonviolent communication, I think, is a big one. Um, ooh, eight things I wish I knew about polyamory before I fucked it up. And that one's pretty good. I love the yeah. uh, the manual in the back of that where you write a manual about yourself and then you hand it to your partner. And it's something you do kind of regularly because you change as a person, right? So like the manual on you is going to be changing as you change. And so I think it's such a beautiful tool to have like, hey, here's here's the manual on Iris. Here's things you need to know. So, you know, I don't have to go into all that. You got it right there in black and white. You know, I think that's such a beautiful thing, you know? Oh, wow. I think you just mm-hmm. added a decent amount of stuff to the, uh, the old monogamish library there. Yeah. Oh yeah, y'all didn't see me. I was like literally in Amazon. Like every time she said a book, I was like trying to type in Amazon real fast so I could find it and add it to my cart. <laughs> uh, but don't worry, we will try to make sure that Iris sends us this a proper listing, of course, and we'll put it in our show notes for this episode. And mm-hmm. I'll add it to the resources page where I talk about books and things yes. <laughs> on the thing. Yeah, because I mean, I love I love a good book. If you guys, yeah, I love good books. So I'm all about um, it. Because I mean, of course, we all have to. Yeah, and I yeah. love the fact that you added some new ones, because you know every time we ask people about their favorite books and tools, you as as you've said, some names come up a lot, and that's because they're good books, I think. But yeah. I love the fact that you had some some new ones in there, and you had your reasons for adding them, and yeah, definitely some new ones to us, and you know we're definitely gonna look into those. 
Yeah, if you haven't read, um, so my favorite one is Polyamory in the 21st Century by Deborah Anna Paul. And one of my favorite things that she does is that she talks about the different kinds of jealousy that exist and some remedies for those kinds of jealousy. And I don't think I had ever read a book that had really like touched on that, you know, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, because I mean, a lot of books on jealousy will tell you like, oh, well, you know, there's two sources of jealousy, unmet needs or fear, which is true. Right. But like that there's different kinds of jealousy and that there might be different fixes to those different kinds of jealousy. I hadn't heard that point of view yet. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm all about that. Listen, like I said, I'm I'm on Amazon right now. I usually don't like buying books from Amazon just because you know how that go. Yeah. But I, I'm checking all of my sources immediately to get this book into my hands this yeah. week. Yeah, oh, so good. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah, Amazon's the best way at least to just you know, have a little wish list. Mm-hmm. I'm trying so to think regards, if there's anything else. Yeah, well, Shem, I was wondering what's your about thing? Her in the in the community. Like, how do you? How has the community been to you? Like, has it, I guess, as a black person in the community, that's one thing we always kind of try to find out, you know, is it, are you, do you have a diverse community of your own or yeah, kind of trying to find, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I'm very type A, so I'm a leader. So anything that I go into, I don't dip my toe in, I cannonball into. So as soon as I had identified as polyamorous and I had made the decision, that's how I was going to be dating from that point on. Uh, my first major poly relationship, um, we were finding that a lot of the groups that we were trying to be a part of were typically people who are much older than us, you know, and so we created together um, our own uh, Facebook group. Um, for education and community um, that for people who were kind of closer in our age range, you know, obviously it's not an ageist thing or whatever, but we just wanted, we just knew a lot of people who felt uncomfortable in the other places because they just didn't feel like they had the same grouping, you know, with, that they have with us. So, um, you know, I created that. Um, I have found amazing, uh, you know, therapist and, you know, like Ruby and things like that. So I have found other people of color who were, uh, very welcoming to me and things like that. But I do find that the poly community does tend to be older and whiter. And um, a lot of times when I'm dating, I do tend to date more white men than anything, because most of the time when I'm trying to explain my poly experience to someone, uh, Latin men and black men have not been as accepting of me being an openly poly woman who is able to date male or female, whoever she wants. Um, they typically want to try to keep it to a one penis policy or they want to try to keep it. Um, I've met a lot of hoteps, you know, who want to, they have all the women, women can't date, you know, that kind of thing or whatever. Um, so unfortunately I haven't been able to have as much diversity in my uh, male dating as I would like, um, just because it's it's a lot harder for, to find men who are willing to accept me as a solo poly woman who is going to date other men if I so feel like I want to. Um, but I have had, you know, in that, the complications that will come sometimes with an interracial uh, relationship, like my last ex breaking up with me because his family couldn't deal with the fact that I was black um, or, you know, someone else's partner not liking me and then telling the entire community the reason that they didn't like me is because I was violent and dangerous, um, even though I had never gotten into a fight or, you know, anything like that in the time that they had known me. But there is this understanding that in my past, in my youth, I did fight a lot. I am also a trained fighter. But 
I do that as self-defense. I've never, I've never hurt anybody on my own. I've always been defending myself from someone else hurting me. Um, but you know, spread the rumor. And then it, it's believable because it's easy to believe the angry black woman exists. It's easy to believe that trope and for even them to antagonize me in public. And for me to know that if I respond, then it's going to be the angry black woman and the white fragility and the white tears that come. And she was using her white fear to try to get me out of a certain community, you know? And so I think you still run into those things as a woman of color. I am never not aware that I am a woman of color in a mostly white community. Yeah, that's very important. As brown people ourselves, well, you know, we're both black, but you know what I mean? Like as people of color ourselves who we appear darker hued (laughs) than a lot of the people that we'll end up engaging with. I mean, I think we've been lucky to find, you know, Ruby and Black Poly Pride and places like that that celebrate blackness, right? I went to Sex Down South a couple weeks ago and that was an amazing space because I think it was one of the first times I'd ever... I mean, I've never been to conferences or anything like that because those things cost Monday and travel, which I didn't have time to do. Um, so it's the first time attending like these online events. And it's like, wow, there are so many brown people out here. There are so many people who are just not white out here in these poly streets and you just don't get to see them. Yeah. It's uh, uh, Dallas Poly uh, Millennium was the first time I had saw a large grouping of uh, people of color who were living non-traditional lifestyles. You know, even like, you know, I've been a dominatrix for 18 years and even like in the kink community within, you know, the poly community and all these different like communities that I'm in that are very fringe and non-traditional, they are mostly white spaces and they are the spaces that are allowed to be like this. And I think that's, that's a big thing too, you know, like they're not as stigmatized as we are for doing the exact same thing. I mean, that comes down to the core of why, I mean, I say this all the time, but why this podcast even exists is that, you know, we saw how generally white communities skewed and so on. So, you know, we wanted to inject a little blackness in ourselves. Yeah. Funny enough, one of the few good things about this pandemic is that it connected us to all these different little, like, more diverse communities that that exist. Because, like, Millennium, uh, are Black People Allowed? Uh... Yeah, Black Poly Pride's online series. They had yes. our Black People mm-hmm. Allowed. Uh, so that was a good event. That's actually our first our first poly event, like where there were like lots of Black people. Yes. And like... because all of them went virtual, we got to kind of got connected to them through through this podcast and through just being there personally. So it's good that these communities exist and whatever part we can do by having this podcast and people like you on to help more people like us see that we're out here. It's not just white people everywhere. You are represented in the community. You are seen, you are represented. And and it's not just the people who are uh, acceptably black that are invited. You know, like I have been told that I was the acceptable kind of black uh, because I'm ambiguously brown, um, you know, by somebody I actually dated. Like, oh, my parents won't care that you're black because you're, you know, you're the, you're the right kind of black. You're not really black, you know, like you're the acceptable uh-huh. black because I don't look like I'm black. You know, I phenotypically I look more Hispanic, you know, but I call myself ambiguously brown because depending on where I am, I could be anything that's brown. 
So, but I mean, like, yeah, you know, you are, you are wanted, you are accepted, you are desired, you are amazing. And there is space for you. And there are people who want you there and you deserve to fucking be there. Like, you know, and, and if you are a person who is uh, not a person of color, what are you doing to make sure that your spaces are blacker? What are you doing to make sure that they feel accepted and wanted and comforted and like they belong into your spaces? What are you doing as a person who loves people of color to make sure that people of color feel loved? Real questions. You know, things they need to be answering. So all you non-POCs out there, I hope you got some answers because we go come asking. Mm-hmm. It's also part of the reason we actually only have people of color on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, they need a space. I don't need to give y'all space. Y'all got 20,000 spaces. Y'all can go on any other podcast you want. Literally any other podcast that exists, you could be on it. Yeah. Just not this one. Well, it's like you look up polyamory and you go into the images and the first images you will see are two sets of female feet, a set of male feet, and they're all white. Uh, soon my feet will be up there. Well, not these feet that have not been pedicured in a minute, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, once, you're good, once they're ready, yes. <laughs> but yeah, oh, this is such an amazing conversation. I don't have anything else particular I want to ask. I mean, I could talk to you forever, which would probably be annoying after a time because we'll have to eat, sleep, go to the bathroom and things. But <laughs> Sham, do you have anything else you'd like to bring up? No, I think we covered everything. Well, not everything, but we covered enough for the <laughs> podcast, I think. We've given our listeners something wonderful to listen to today. Yes. So I just want to thank Iris again for coming on and agreeing to talk to us on our baby podcast. Mm-hmm. All right, no fledgling. Ah, yes. So beautiful. And so where can people find you when they want to reach you? They want to sign to the DMs. They want to know more about your work or your future work as well. Yes. Um, well, you can find me on Instagram under my full name, Iris Muscarella or Facebook. Um, and but also, too, I run a uh, gender neutral swimwear line uh, with compression for people, no matter where you are on the spectrum of gender, um, called JunoApparel.com. Uh, so you can look on there. It's J-U-N-O. Um, and if we're doing when the world is not in a pandemic, uh, we will be doing vending events again and things like that. So we'll be traveling all over selling bathing suits and meeting people. That's the plan. See, you guys, we'll be out there soon. You will see me rocking my Juno apparel <laughs> when I'm allowed to go outside again. I mean, like, yeah, technically you can go to the beach, but like, should you go to the beach? I'm in Florida. Like, should I be going outside right now? Absolutely not. Yeah, you know, I'm in Texas where, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we in a similar sort of situation. So yeah. when outside is available, you will see us rocking our Juno apparel and we'll be out here in these streets. So, yeah. I'm going to be doing some bald-headed hoe shit for sure. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Love it. <laughs> and make sure to tell us whenever your life story movie comes out. Because I, I swear, every time you tell us about your life, I'm just like, this, <laughs> oh, this is the perfect story. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like Forrest, Forrest Gump, you know, where he kind of, he did one crazy thing, then another crazy thing, another crazy thing. That's I think that's goal. just your life. That's my like life goal is to be <laughs> that person, right? Like live as many lives as I possibly can, so when it's all said and done, I can say I fucking did it. <laughs> well, they're doing a good job so far. Doing an amazing job. Thanks again, Iris. And so we'll probably catch you back on a future episode. Who knows? All right. Sounds good. I'd love to come back on. (laughs) Alrighty. Hey, Iris. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. We really, really appreciate you.
It was like such a great conversation. We'll be putting the links to all those books that were mentioned in the show notes. So don't worry about that, guys. I will definitely, I mean, if I don't include anything else in the show notes, the books are going to be there, okay? That was a very personal outro, by the way. You just you just came with the, thanks, Iris. I was like, am I supposed to be still be talking? Am I still here? Am I interrupting something? But yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you interrupting something? No, that's fine. I like to watch. <laughs> that's good. That's good. But yes, guys, we have one more episode for the year. Like, are you ready for that? Like, just one. It's going to be Can crazy. We've been doing this, like, this whole year. Plus, you know, we've been in more than a year, but we made it through yeah. 2020, hopefully. Yes, we we will. Why would you say hopefully? Why would you bring that negative? I'm just trying not to, hey, cut my chicken before I hatch. Like, I don't want to, like, I'll say, oh, you think you're so smart. You're going to say that you're, you're definitely going to make it. Duh, wholesome. I don't know what could happen to us, but, you know, we're going to be fine. We're going to make it. Don't what? Worry. You know what? I'm going to knock, I'm going to beat some wood right now. I don't, I don't have this negative energy. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to, no. Like, I'm just knocking all the wood in my vicinity. There we go. I've just knocked all that shit out. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done with you. Ciao. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yes, you know, guys, if you're listening to us before you celebrate your holiday, uh, well, no, because, you know, Hanukkah is like over. But you know what I mean? The, yeah. the Christmas Kwanzaa people, the Christmas Kwanzaa people, if you're listening to this before you celebrate the holiday, then, you know, happy Christmas Kwanzaa to y'all. Um, we hope that you get all the gifts that you want. And if you don't, we hope you get the money to pay for your own shit. Yeah. So that. Very important. And let's see, what other wishes do I want to give to you guys for the holidays? Um, if you were lucky enough to be able to spend time with your family, please do that. And well, assuming your family is a safe space for you. <laughs> and family can be anything, like friends who you consider family, you know, blood relatives, whatever. If you can spend your time cats, with them, your cats can be your family. I Shout mean, out to I the cat people. Gonna go to the, hey, know, I'm, I want to include everybody, okay? But okay, yeah, sure. Um, you know, whoever you consider to be family, I hope you get to spend time with them um, in person. And if you don't, well, that's what, you know, Zoom and FaceTime and all this other stuff is for, and we'll do a better plan for 2021. That's that's all I have to say about the holiday, because I will not be spending it with my mom. I'll be here, so. Yeah, bummer. But, you know, we still find a way to celebrate. We'll we figure something out. We will. We will. It'll be great. So let's shout out our friends over at YouTube, right? Hey. Um, they actually dropped this great new shirt the other day. The girls dem sugar and it has like listen like i i had to buy one for myself of like, course <laughs> well, well you are yeah. the sugar that the girls them love yes the girl them sugar king that's me <laughs> that's me that was also very exciting i don't know what that was about but yeah so you guys should uh, hop on over to youtubebright.com that is y-u-h by the way to bright.com and um putting code monogamish for 10 percent off your order and you should get cool ideas for shirts kidding just get cool gifts for people like the girls damn sugar or Ooh, yes. guests in spanish town or Let me get plastic a, a free one sweeten up your life with a new girls damn sugar t-shirt yeah oh yeah 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 you yeah, know yeah. guys you hear that Sean just came up with a new promo for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to them. Shout out to altplayground.net, of course. Again, of course, of course. for sponsoring the podcast and for doing it big with us all year. And shout out to Jam. Shout out to you. Oh, yeah. You know, shout out to Jen. Extra shout out to down. Jen because Jen, Jen works so hard, guys. So hard. <laughs> Give her a little extra love on, on Twitter this week. Wait, you might not see that. Give her a little extra love on Instagram this week. She'll definitely yes. see that. 
send me love on Instagram. I like Instagram love. Um, and yeah, I think, is there anything else we were supposed to mention? Of course, oh, where yeah. to find us. Sham, mm-hmm. where can they find us? Oh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Pod, Facebook group, Pod. Over the website, monogamishpod.com. That's where you can find our merch store, which is monogamishpod.threadless.com. Or just, yep. you know, just go to the merch tab and you'll find it. You can find our t-shirts and our other cool merch. You can go to patreon.com slash monogamishpod to get bonus episodes every month and extra content. Of course, you know, you can find us over on Up Playground, have a little corner there. And yeah, so just anywhere you want to find us, monogamishpod.com. Of course, rate us five stars on iTunes and Google Play. And, you know, it helps us out with the whole algorithm and all that foolishness. But, yeah. <laughs> so, whatever. Yeah. Else, just follow us on all the things. Monogamishpod, most likely. Yeah. Yes. And, our, of course, our three most recent episodes go up on SoundCloud because um, we are still cheap. Yes, yeah, still, still cheap. Still cheap. And, um, no, I'm we're not cheap. Working... SoundCloud is mean. SoundCloud is mean. That's, that's it. Yeah. SoundCloud is mean. I'm still working on the backlog for show notes, but it's happening, y'all. It's happening. I got this new transcription software thing, so I might just be doing like transcriptions, like I said, but it's going to happen. I will have a slightly more free time in 2021, so I'll definitely be working on it a lot more. I promise. It'll be great. It'll be great. You'll, you'll appreciate it. There's just some kinks that I need to work out for myself with getting it done, but uh, yeah, that's all she wrote. I'm Jen. I'm Sham. And, and we're monogamous. I don't know. We both hesitated way too long. Yeah. Why did we do that? That's the thing, like, you know, you want to be like, alright, you want to say it first. You want to say it first. Like, it's like saying I love you first. I mean, no, I say I love you all the time, but I don't know.